great to have everybody here. Welcome to those of you joining us online. We're glad to have you as well. And uh, so uh, you, you probably can't tell online. I don't know how different it looks, but we've changed some things. And uh, change is interesting. I, I was talking to the last couple of groups, and I told them that the way that you'd always come in here and sat down, that was something that I did in 1994. I changed the chairs, and I've been preaching down there. So every 26 years, you should change something probably. <laughs> So I have to do that again when I'm 86 will be the next big chair. I don't know. We're going to see how it works. But it's safe and it's socially distanced and there's room for everybody and we could get folks in. And that was important to us. And we're glad that you're watching us line. We're glad that you joined us here. Very excited. So we are uh, continuing on today in a series called Light, How to Be the Light of the World. That's what this series has been all about. It's an acronym to talk about love, uh, imploring, pressing into God. Uh, gather the G was gathering virtually initially, and then it was grace. We talked about helping and trusting over the last few weeks. And today, I'm going to talk about being rebuilders. We're going to look at Nehemiah for two weeks. We'll end this series with that. And then we're going to start a new series after these two uh, weeks called An Unshakable Foundation, which I think is really important as rebuilders. We're going to start with the foundation. And so I'm excited about that and uh, all that that means. So that's what we're about to do. Really bad joke time this week. You're going to be really impressed at how bad these are. I thought they were funnier when I started, and then I realized how really bad they are, and I think I like them even more. What's the best way to catch a fish? Have someone throw it to you. We were in, Alice and I, she's saying over there, we were in Seattle, and they have a fish market where they, it's a big deal, and they all get it, and they throw these fish. So I thought of that, anyway. Mountains aren't just funny. They're hill areas. And then it doesn't get better. Did you hear about the donut maker retiring? I guess he was fed up with the whole business. Somebody told me earlier, my, my jokes, bad jokes are like punishment. And I went, you mean pun-ishment? Alice, my love, please come. Save me. Rescue me. Help me. I need help. Goodness, I just have to say, you know, when Georgina says, so good, boys and girls, take that in. If you're an adult, take that in, because that's straight from the heart and the mouth of God. She loves our kids so much, and we are so blessed to have her. And change, am I right? Good. Have you had enough of that? We had to change your church for you, but uh, all is well, so you can be safe. I I meant to, because somebody asked me, and and you didn't mention it, but something significant happened this week on Tuesday. Yes. Do you remember what it was? No. Is this a joke? No. Dryer. <gasps> oh, yes, my dryer got fixed. Yeah. Miracle. Yes, it, it was, it was, we were so happy. So, so I've been doing laundry every day, even if it's only two things, I'm doing laundry. So. Yeah, and I do not miss the washeteria. Don't miss that. But she won't do your laundry, so don't get any ideas. Yeah, right. <laughs> Or my kids or my anyway. All right, let's let's focus back in on God and pray. Amen. So we'll bow our heads and close our eyes, like Pastor Georgina tells us. And Father, I am so grateful for this time. And you tell me every day just to come to you. Lord, I hear you calling me. Come, just come. Lay everything aside. Lay your burdens down. Lay your worry. Lay your busyness and just come. And I will give you rest. For your souls. 
And so, Lord, I pray that today, as we come to you with our hearts wide open, laying our burdens down, you would give us rest. Rest from our souls. And, Father, even though we are living in the midst of so much change, it's not new to you. And even though we might be weary, Lord, in that weariness, you give us a place to sit. And you bring renewal to our hearts. So, Lord, thank you that as we come to you, we want our lives to echo back to those around us. The grace and the mercy and the peace of God. Let us come to Jesus, Father, and let us come to peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So the text today is out of the book of Matthew, starting in chapter 16, and this is 13 and following. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Blessed be the word of God. Amen. And we quarantined together. That's why we kissed like that, okay? just, Just so you know, that's legitimate. been a long time. We were driving in today and Alice said, how old am I this birthday? Sometimes she forgets. And she's like, am I 58 or 59? And I'm, 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 she's like, how old am I right now? I said, you're 57 right now. She'll go, oh, thank goodness. So uh, she'll turn 58 in August. But sometimes we forget how long we've been married, how old we are. Time kind of rolls by. What's going on? They would have never guessed. So it's a good thing. They, they think you're, you like that? Yeah. You look 40. Thank you very much. No extra charge, guard, no extra charge guys, for all of that wisdom that you just got. Discussions. You've got to be careful, though. It can, go, it can go bad, too, if you're not careful. To highlight the good stuff. It's all good. I had Alice read that verse because uh, there's this powerful encounter where Jesus is talking to Peter. And Peter, you know, who, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And, and Jesus' response is, that's absolutely right. That, that's revelation from God. That's what he's talking about, that rock. And that, that revelation is, is what's going to build the church. And you need to know that the church will not be overcome. And that the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will never overcome the church. And I just feel like I, I want you to get a hold of that. You're the church. And, and the church is vital in the world. The church um, lets all of the evil forces know 
that what Jesus did was real and it made a difference and it changes everything. And you're a part of that. And, and as much as the enemy would love to silence the church and get it to sort of disappear into the distance, that's not going to happen. And that God has a purpose and a plan for the church, for all of us. And that we're engaging and entering into a fascinating time, I believe. And that's why we're going to be looking at what it means to be a rebuilder. Because Nehemiah was a rebuilder. He went, he went back to Jerusalem and rebuilt the walls. The, uh, Ezra had gone before him and, and reestablished the temple. The things were happening. But, but he went and brought security back so that the glory of God could come and the, the people could feel safe and, and understand who God was. And, and we're called now to be rebuilders. A lot of brokenness has happened all around us. You've seen it. It's everywhere. And, and um, there's broken lives everywhere. And, and God is calling the church to be rebuilders, to be ready to go in and make a difference in the world around us. The, the world needs the church to be the church right now more than it probably has ever in the history of anything. And so that's our calling. That's what we're heading towards. So we're going to talk about that today with Nehemiah. And because uh, there's so many neat things in Nehemiah. And I, I asked you to read it. I encourage you to read it last week. And I said, be looking for Jesus, because there's so many things that happen that uh, help us to see Jesus. And, and they're very similar in the types that are going on. And where we see Jesus, you know, he's our model for life and ministry. And we know these are things we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the verses that you can see that in, I kind of gave you a clue on this last week, is in the very end of Nehemiah 1 and moving into verse 2. We find out in Nehemiah chapter 2, it says, I was cupbearer to the king. Uh, and in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, and I, I just, I really enjoy verses that let me say Artaxerxes. Because you don't get to say X's like that. There's another king called Xerxes, that's pretty cool, but Artaxerxes is even better. So I've, I've said it now like four times, I'm, just, I'm still going to say it one more time, Artaxerxes. When wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So what we find out in the very beginning here of the book is that Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. This is a really important position. Uh, he would sit at the right hand of the king. And, and so um, Nehemiah had position there. Um, but he was also um, willing to take risks because uh, he would sample the wines before the king. And if it had been poisoned, he would willingly die on behalf of the king. And so that was Nehemiah's job. Well, when you, when you read it, you, that should remind you a little bit of somebody who was at the right hand of the king and who was willing to take a cup even if it meant his death. It's a picture of Jesus. Uh, Matthew 6, 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. So as you read Nehemiah, you're going to see these things that are pointing to Jesus and that we can learn from. And so um, what I've taken out of Nehemiah is eight sort of character traits that I want to look at over the next two weeks. We're going to look at four this week and four next week uh, to help us be rebuilders, because that's what Nehemiah was. So let's jump in here and start to talk about this. And the first trait, first thing that we need is we need to be people of compassion. This is going to be huge for us. Um, my hope is that when you look at the events of the world around us, that that's what's going to come out of you is compassion. I, I know that we can be stirred into a lot of other things right now. There, there can be fear. We can get sort of, what does this mean to me, sort of based, and how does, you know, and we can get all focused on, on the inward thing. But my hope is that what you'll see 
is, is God's compassion for people and that he wants us to be stirred with compassion as well. That when we look into the brokenness of the world and everything that's going on right now, it should be compassion that wells up within us. This was certainly the case with Nehemiah. He really cares about people. There he is. He's in exile. Uh, he hasn't been to Jerusalem, as far as we know, ever before, but he hears about his people really going through it in Jerusalem. Uh, he gets his report, verse 3 of chapter 1. They said to me, those who survived the exile and who are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah, like, he's really sort of distanced from what's going on in Jerusalem. He's got a cushy job. Everything's going pretty well for him. But when he hears this news about the brokenness of people, he has great compassion and he begins to weep and to pray and to fast. He has great concern. Um, another picture, if you jump ahead, someone else is going to see what's going on in Jerusalem and it's going to cause them to stop and weep. Jesus. And here it says in Luke 19, 41 and 42, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. And said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. See, see, Jesus was moved with compassion. And it was this compassion that was, is exemplified throughout his ministry. Uh, in, in Mark 6.34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. So he saw people in this broken way, like shepherdless. They had no direction. Uh, sheep left to themselves is not a good thing. And they're vulnerable to all sorts of things, and they don't last very long. And, and when he saw the brokenness of the world and people, Jesus began out of that compassion to minister to them. He cared for them. He taught them many things. He began to tell them about the good news, that he was making a way for them to have life. He, he came and he prayed for them and he encouraged them and he told them about the kingdom of God. And he invited them into it. And he was willing to do whatever it took to make that happen. And all of that is stirred by compassion. And we need to be people of compassion now more than ever. We need to look at the things that are going on around us. And, and like I said, we, we can't turn to fear. We don't want to get frustrated. We don't want, it should just stir us to realize the brokenness of people in the world around us. Around us and it's huge. And it's, it's more evident than it's ever been because people, um, because of events that have taken place, a lot of them are all stirred up. They don't know what to trust in any longer. They were trusting in things that they can no longer trust in. If their trust wasn't in the Lord, it's been shaken. And, and now God wants them to know that they can put their trust in Him, that He's the God of love. I love that last song we were singing. There's so many powerful things in there. And there's so... I hope you're listening to, to the new music that's coming out of the church all over. I love the old stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love the hymns. I love all those things. And you, you hear we do them all the time. But, but the Holy Spirit is working through um, artists in the church right now. And these new songs are being birthed out of people that speak this incredible message of hope and revival. Yeah. And, and it should get you on your toes. Remember last week I, I said, I'm, 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 I have this, I'm waiting expectantly for what's happening. It's like being on tiptoes. It's like stretching towards the, the, the tape at the end of a run. That Scott is up to something. And it's happening and you can see it and you can hear it in the music and in what's going on. If you look beyond the fear and all the stuff that the enemy is trying to stir up, there's this amazing thing taking place. And God wants us to be ready and, and ready to go and move. And we need to be people of compassion. Secondly, we need to be people of purpose. We have mission. 
uh, as, as the children of God, as, as those who have come to find Jesus, we, we have a, a reason for being here. And that's ultimately to share the amazing good news we have and to be his ambassadors in the world around us. We have, you know, a life changing message. We have the message uh, that people need to hear, the message of good news, that the, the, the God has made a way for them to be restored and reconciled to him, that God has made a way for them to experience life. That's our message, and our purpose is to share that message. And, and purpose, it's important for us to know that because we have an enemy who wants to not see us complete our purpose. The enemy would love for us to get silent would love for us to just sort of disappear and go away and, and get inwardly focused. And, and, and yet the church, our church, do you know that, that the enemy, uh, he doesn't want you to be the church. He, he, he's, he, all of the evil forces that got all this stuff stirred up right now. See, when the church exists and when the church is a church, it lets them know that they can't win. It's a constant reminder that they can't win. They'll take some shots, but they can't win. Because we have a calling and a purpose, and we have the power of God available to us. The, the resurrection power, we talked about that last week, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power is working at the church, working in the church today. It's working in you, and, and it will work through you into the world around us, who needs to be, what needs to be brought into life from death. That's what God wants to do in us, and that's our purpose and our calling. Now, look who's against it. Here, in Nehemiah 2.19, it says, When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success, because nothing will stand against the church. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. You have nothing. These three... Um, Folks that we're talking about. See, they represent something that you need to be aware of and what's going on. And what they represent is Sanballat is sort of a picture or a type of the evil one. And Geshem is a picture of the, the world. And Tobiah is a picture of the flesh, the old nature. And those are sort of historically, they've been the three enemies of the soul. You've heard it probably, I'm sure, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the world, the flesh, and the devil, what wants to happen is they want to get together and get you off purpose. They want to get you sidetracked. The enemy wants you sidetracked. Your flesh um, will take you off course, as a lot of you will know. And the world, the, the very events and things around us, you know, the enemy is behind all those things, trying to get you off track. Uh, James 3.15 said, wisdom doesn't come, uh, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly unspiritual and demonic. He's talking about what's the sort of prevailing things in the world around us. That's what's going on. That's a driving force. And yet, God wants to come through the church and make a difference in the world around us. And so we need to be aware of these things that are going to try and, and come against our purpose. And, and just as Nehemiah came to sort of rebuild those walls and to... Um, Make a way for God's glory to be revealed. Jesus came in the same way for us, and he defeats the enemy's attacks, and he, he, uh, he deals with worldly compromise by giving us the Holy Spirit so that we don't have to you know, go into that way anymore. And he deals with the old nature by nailing it to the cross. Paul said in Second Colossians, or Colossians 2, pardon me, verse 13, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and uh, condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. See, Jesus has done what's needed to be done so the church can be the church. 
And let me say it again. The world needs the church to be the church in huge ways right now. And so we've got to be ready to go and to move. So we need to be aware of the opposition we're going to face, but know that we have a purpose in the world around us and that God wants to move us in that direction. So we, we have to have compassion. We have to have purpose. And then very importantly, we have to be people of prayer. Sometimes you can get so uh, busy in, in doing good things that you might forget that the most important thing is to stay connected with God. You want to be led and directed by Him. Uh, and, and I know that can happen, especially in times when everything's so different and there's all these other stresses and frustrations on us. One of the things that might suffer is our prayer time, but it can't. It has to be at the forefront of our lives. We have to engage with God. I, I love this in, in Nehemiah 2.4. The king said to me, said to Nehemiah, what is it you want? I love what Nehemiah does. Then I prayed, he said, to the God of heaven. You see how powerful that is? So here's the king saying, what is it you want? And he doesn't just say the first thing that's happening. He doesn't just come up with whatever, you know. He, he stops and he prays about it. He thinks about it. He, he asks God, what is it that I say here? What's next? What decision do I need to make? And that's so important that you take time in decision making. I shared with a group at, at eight. said, it reminds me, of, there's a time when a couple guys start to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, what do you want? And I think they could have said anything. They ask them, what is it that, what can I do for you? And their response is, because they don't think about their response, you know what they say? Uh, where are you staying? Do you, do you ever, I think about that sometimes, and I think, these guys are asking the creator of all things in the flesh, who's just asked them, what is it you want? And they go, uh, where are you staying? I think maybe a moment of prayer would have been a good idea there. Yeah, and, and, and so, pray. So when you have decisions to make, you need to pray. Nehemiah, in this short book, he prays nine times. Every time he has to make a big decision, every time he faces a crisis, or any time that he's being criticized for something. So if you have other reasons to pray, those will keep you praying all day long, right? Every time you've got a decision, that'll keep you praying. Every crisis, that doesn't take much. Every time you're criticized, I don't, that doesn't take very much either. All those things can move you to prayer. We have to be people of prayer because... Really, our effectiveness in the kingdom is, is, is directly related to this life that we have with God, this, this private life that we have with God. And so we want to make sure we don't sort of get distracted even in being busy. Look what Jesus does. And, and you'd have to say that Jesus had a lot to do in three years. Right? Change the entire, you know, planet in three years. Very early in the morning, Mark one thirty five. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. See, all the people wanted him around doing the things that he did. But Jesus knew the importance of getting away and praying because that was sort of the source of it all. And so we need to make sure that we are people of prayer. Fourth, we have to be people of humility. We have to be people of humility. You know, we have to come from a place that realizes that apart from Jesus, let me say that, apart from Jesus, I'm, I'm nothing. Um, everything that's good in, in, in me and in my life has been a gift from him. Uh, and I realize that. Uh, and, and so it keeps me in a place where I understand that this is his story. I'm invited into his story, but this is his story. This story doesn't revolve around me. Uh, it certainly doesn't revolve around all the things that I want all the time. This story is Jesus' story. I revolve around him. 
And there's something about remembering that that helps us to be in a place where God can use us. And, and that we come from that place of humility into the world around us. So that we have to demonstrate to people that God is a God of love. That he loves them. We have an enemy who's trying to convince them otherwise. We have all of the stuff in the world trying to convince them otherwise. We have the, the very, you know, flesh is, is trying to move in a different direction. But God wants people to know that he loves them and that he's for them and that he's with them. And he uses the church to bring that message to folks. He, brings, he uses us to share with people the amazing good news we have of what Jesus has done. That Jesus has made a way for all of them to have life. And we need to be aware of that. And so humility is demonstrated by Nehemiah in verse 9. And the fact that he leaves this amazingly cushy job that he has and he goes because of his compassion. So I went. It's really all I wanted you to see in that verse. I went. He got up. He did it. He went because God had told him to go. He went and did what was important. And, and this is so important. Well, who does that also like? Well, Jesus, he leaves the right hand of the king and he goes when he's needed, when he comes here. And it says, Paul says in your relationship, in Philippians 2, 5, with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped to his own advantage, to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Nehemiah, Jesus, were willing to do what needed to be done to minister into the world around them, to be used in the way that God wanted them to be used. And, and we need to be willing as well. We need to be... Uh, this is going to be so important. We need to be willing to listen. See, anybody here have opinions on things? And that's great. But, but now is the time to be listening. See, because there's going to be people who have different opinions in you about everything. And, and sometimes we can just get into a battle of opinions. But that's not what's needed here. The people whose opinions differ from you, you need to see them with compassion. And, and, and because they're broken, like everyone is broken. And they're just not sure what's going on. And so they come with opinions. But, but somehow, the love of God can break those things down in a way that softens them to receive the truth of, of Jesus. And I have this firm belief that, that we're about to come into a time when, if we'll love people well the way God has called us to, if we, if we won't finger point, if we won't act like we have everything figured out, but if we'll just love people and listen, we're going to have opportunities to share this good news. That, that are unprecedented. People are going to ask you about Jesus. They're going to come right up and ask you about it. And, and at first you're going to be a little taken aback because it may not have been happening, but it's going to happen. They're, and they, they might not know what they're asking you. They might say, well, you seem to have some peace on you or you seem to be kind or you something. They're going to notice something and, and God's going to give these little tiny doors to open up to tell people about Jesus. And that's what we need to be ready for. We're rebuilders. We're going to, God's going to use us to help rebuild people's lives. And that's what's taking place. And so start with those four and think about those this week. And then if you haven't read Nehemiah, go back and read it. Next week, the four I'm going to add are servanthood. We need to be people that serve, people that encourage, people with conviction and people of hope. And so all those are coming up. And, and read Nehemiah and look for Jesus if you haven't done it. Like, like, there's another example. Like Nehemiah, it's very cool if you haven't seen this yet. He goes... 
to Jerusalem and he rebuilds the walls and does all the things. And then he's called back to be with the king. But before the book ends, you know what? He comes for a second time. Nehemiah does. Well, you know somebody else like that? Right? Jesus came. Uh, he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he sets everything right. And that's what Nehemiah did. It's all the way through the book. Look for those things. It's so important because it's really cool about what God's up to. And he's just setting the stage for what he's about to do now. And I want you to be excited about it and be ready for your part. But uh, that'll be good for today. Listen, and I know there's folks watching online. Oh, it's nice to have folks in here, too. Just, I've got to look at you for a minute. Okay. <laughs> Did that feel awkward? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, listen, all of this starts with Jesus. Everything that we talk about, it starts with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, life starts there. He's the answer to your questions. He's, he's the power that you need to, to be at rest. He's, he's the one who will settle your heart. It's all about Jesus. And we come into relationship with him. He's done all the work. He did it all the cross. Our, our only part in this is to receive what's happened. And we do that with a simple prayer. Uh, and, the, and the prayer goes like this. I'm, I'm going to just kind of do the little prayer. And if you've never done it, now would be a perfect time. The prayer just says, you know, God, will you forgive me of all my sin? And Jesus, will you come into my heart? And into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And if you pray that, if you mean it, confess, mean it in your heart, that's where it all starts. And so, if you prayed that prayer, we have this little thing. We started at Easter because we were having to figure out virtually how to do this. And I can't, I don't have everybody here. Just text the word heart to that number for me. And, and we'll respond and I want to celebrate with you. That's what it's all about. And so it's just a celebration number. And people since Easter have been responding this way and it's really cool. So text that word heart to that number, and that's great. Also, thank you again for your generosity, everybody. You've, you've done amazing through this time. Uh, we have continuing our outreaches. We had another great outreach yesterday into the community around us, blessing them with uh, produce and, and uh, paper goods and breads and food and all sorts of stuff. And so thank you for making that possible. And uh, if you're still watching online... That's the way that you can uh, uh, send offerings to us. I also want to know that a lot of you still aren't, aren't caught up, and we're praying for you, and that's all good with your lives. Don't worry about this, but those of you that can, certainly generosity is huge. And for those of you in the room, offering boxes are up front here all the way along. You can get to them on your way out. And let's sing the doxology, and we'll be done. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lord bless and keep you. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.